0: To
1: and now I guess he feels a little bit emboldened. He must be careful with what he says.
0: I think we've got to see that a riot is the language of the unheard. Uh, racism is essentially a white problem. For you to understand what racism is about, you're going to be so... Comfortable. As Christians, we love the
1: homosexual and the transgender. Homosexuality is sin. You no, know, everybody's like you taught that from school, everywhere. Big business. You want to be successful, you want to be like Trump? Gimme, gimme, gimme. Push, 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 push. Step, step, step. Crush, crush, crush. This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. We won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. Hey, fam. How y'all doing? We're back at it. We're back at it here. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Well, hopefully you are enjoying your spring wherever you are at. Um, I know <laughs> where I'm at, it was uh, snowing. It was doing all of the things. It was snowing, sleeting, and um, uh, raining today, too, man. So, you know, you got to love it. You got to love it. It's the uh, winters or the extended winter, really, in uh, in in the Midwest, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, man, you know, I got to start the podcast with uh, with a weather report, right? <laughs> at any rate uh yo fam this uh this week i am so excited i've got a great guest on and uh he laid down some bars to uh the theme song for um uh, the podcast and so y'all going to check that out here in a bit um but yeah i was excited man it's uh it's been a long time since you know i've had somebody actually you know lay bars over a beat of mine so oh, it was nice to to hear that and it was nice to um you know just get that feel and stuff man it's like and you'll hear me say it and i was like oh man the, like the beat came alive it took a different shape uh to it and um yeah i like that i like that i like that man i like uh all those things being you know being engaged and that which reminds me of just you know being back in the studio and being able to um you know be engaged in the artistic um what's the word i'm looking for um Quincy Jones talks about how, you know, there's something that happens, you know, when you're in a creative space with other creatives um, and, you know, the, the the magic begins to happen. Right. When you have other folks who, you know, who have different parts to a song. Right. Uh, you know, back in the day, you know, prior to all this electronic music, um, you know, you had to have a bass player, a lead guitar player, a keyboardist. A drummer, right? You can't do anything without drums, um, you know, and, you know, any, any accompaniment that, that went with that. And so there was a sense of this synergy that went into music and a sense of spirituality, if you will, that, uh, you know, you're pulling in from that space and place. Um, there's a great, uh, documentary out there called, I think it's called Music City um it's about uh it's about music city it was a studio in burbank uh, and they recorded a lot of different albums there a lot of well it's a lot of rock and roll um but uh, or sound city sound city there we go um yeah and mainly rock and roll and, and and whatnot but nevertheless you know they talked about you know just being in an environment where you're with other artists and them you know you're vibing off of each other you're feeding off of each other you, you got that energy going and, and whatnot and oftentimes i find with music um you know because i don't i don't read music um you know i have to play really i have to feel it and uh you know and my i know my my piano teacher told me um you know when i was coming up when i was you know learning and stuff she was like you know don't you know don't just play by ear you got to keep you know keep keep reading those notes um, but I don't, um, and I just found out. I think today I saw an interview, an old interview on the Dick Cavett show um, with, um, oh, what is his name? Jimi Hendrix. That's uh, that's who I was looking for. Yes, um, and uh, he was sharing how you know he didn't read uh, music, and he was talking about how he, um, you know, wishes he could you know remember some of those uh, those notes. He's like you know music is is was a de stressor and a way to relax and he was like you know he'll just go in there and just start laying stuff down you know and whatnot um and that and that's you know that that's a large part of what it what it is right I mean when you get into aspects of musicology and then you get kind of get into ethnomusicology as well you know how cultures and people put music together all those elements are involved and there's a high sense of degree of spirituality even if the people aren't necessarily you know, religious, if you will, um, even if those people are, you know, propagating even in an atheistic perspective, there's a sense of other humans in the room being able to contribute and being able to develop something, which is, you know, one of the arguments that has been made against, um, not against, well, in some forms it is, um, but just some of the high, the, the high criticisms of electronic music, uh, because so much of the stuff that you can do that, that once took, right? An army of people to do, well, from the engineer to the person who was cutting tape uh, to, you know, the mastering house. You can do all of that stuff now, you know, on a device. Um, I think about GarageBand, you know, I record a lot on on GarageBand and, you know, it provides a vast amount. I mean, just on the iPad alone, I have more material, more sounds, more access to plugins uh, than I did in my studio in the 90s, um, which just always amazes me, <laughs> right? Um, if I could have just bought that as opposed to spending $2,800 on a, you know, on a keyboard sampler, the ASR-10 or something like that, man, or the Akai MPC-3000, I think was was just that. It was like $2,900, right? You spend eight, $900, you know, and get a full studio as opposed to just one instrument. Um, and that's the revolution that I think that has happened in making music much more accessible, making music much more democratized, if you will. Um, you know, and I get that there's purists and everything. I, I, I you know, consider myself kind of a hip hop purist um, in, this, in that sense. And so um, so I get it. I get that there's folks who say, you know, yeah, you can use technology, but, you know, let's allow the music to be what the music is, the art of it. Um, but I also think there's artistic, you know, endeavors also within the electronic realm as well, right? The digital aspects. I think producing now and, and putting music out now, really, you know, because because you you don't you know you don't need that you know four hundred thousand dollars studio. You know, you, you can get an app, right? Um, and if you know what you're doing, uh, you can hook that up. And I I do think the stakes are much higher. It's a very crowded field out there. You know, how do you make yourself stand out? Um, but, uh, yeah, all those things came up or conjured up as I was just listening to Chase as he goes by, um, it, you know, just rap over the, over, the, over the beat, man. So, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm definitely interested in, in uh, you know, working with, with more artists and whatnot. And, um, you know, I myself am trying to learn bass and, and guitar. I've always wanted to, you know, play guitar. Um, and, uh, you know, always marveled at someone like Eddie Van Halen, you know, and Jimi Hendrix as well for that matter, you know, to be able to play that, you know, um, and to have that kind of skill. Right. And, you know, some people will say, man, that, that spirit is embedded in, in, in that person. It's interesting what, what people say about Kanye. That's what they say about Kanye as well. Kanye West, um, is that, you know, he was destined to become who he was. Right. Um, and, you know, you hear Dave Chappelle talk about that. you hear Jay-Z talk about that. Um, you know, there's a little documentary that they got on Netflix and whatnot. And I get Kanye has some inherent problems and stuff, man. And, you know, patriarchal is political choices. And, you know, part of me makes me think, though, is like, you know, is, uh you know, is this to sell albums? I don't know. Is it a it is stick one of the things, you know, we could talk more about this uh, in another episode, but I tend to not believe much that I see online anyway. So much stuff is staged and set up for show and spectacle that I tend not to believe most most things. So it makes it difficult, right, to believe, you know, an influencer with millions of followers uh, and you know someone who is doing things to make money. If that's your living, uh, it's 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 difficult in the beginning to you know aspects of identity and whatnot, and like who really are you? That's for a different conversation, I get. But it's nevertheless, it's something that uh, crosses my mind a lot in regards to that. Um, but all that to say, Kanye is definitely one of those, man. I think about Prince as well, um, you know, and um, yeah, man, it, it's, you know, these icons, Michael Jackson, uh, right? You know, again, you can talk about, you know, these folks who just kind of just have that knack and 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 want a sound a sound a certain way. Um, and I think about sound creation now, I mean, I started with a, you know, a Yamaha PSR 46, right? Just a basic keyboard that you buy at Sears. In fact, I think that's where I got it from was Sears. Uh, my grandmother bought it for me. Um, and that was, you know, that was the beginning. I was at least able to channel that music that was inside of me into something, uh, you know, that was placed in front of me. And, you know, now obviously I've a little older and I have multiple keyboards now but still it's that same passion how do you get that out that is in you um yeah so those are some things that I thought about and uh you know I was happy to have Chase back not back on but on the show I definitely got to get him back but to have him on the show and to talk about these things you're gonna love what he has to say uh this brother is amazing he is um well he's uh, holds a masters of divinity uh, from Fuller And, uh, you know, and is deeply committed to pursuing racial justice, pursuing the real Jesus and helping to dismantle the burdens of white supremacy and the myriad of ways it manifests itself within ourselves and our communities. And I think that's where a lot of times uh, he and I have connected on. I've known Chase now for a long time. He got married to. Well, he got married to a young woman that I used to know, Kiana. Big shout out to Kiana. I used to call her Circle K. <laughs> out in Pasadena, I knew Kiana when she was just, you know, a freshman in high school. Um, and, uh, you know, now to see her married and kids, I mean, it's It's amazing. Uh, just to see the progress of folks, and they just make such a cute couple. Their kids are adorable, um, but we've connected a lot on those aspects of race, religion, and components of like that. And and I love that Chase is a hip hop head as well. Uh, he spent the last several years of his pastoral ministry experience at Fellowship Church out in Monrovia, 2014 to 2021, uh, and Fellowship Center for Racial Reconciliation. Um, but he also he felt that you know he wanted to move on. To uh, All Saints Church, which is out in Pasadena. uh, And... he was drawn there and you know, because of its history of being a prophetic witness uh, for the marginalized and as well as its recent history of providing a safe refuge to those advocating for black lives. He has also served in youth ministry as a youth advocate and a counselor for young people uh, in the foster care system. Amazing stuff. In addition to being a pastor, he's also a poet, which is I think back in 2017 uh, when we did the uh, I was at Fuller. I was invited to speak at the I think they had the missiology lectures and. Uh, it's where I met a lot of the, the not met, but uh, connected with a lot of good folks. In fact, we got a still a, a text thread, uh, you know, shout out to Keeping It 100, um, that's going on from that time. And I remember him coming and doing some spoken word uh, at that and, and whatnot. And so he fell in love with words at a young age. At an older age, he fell in love again, and this time with his best friend and new spouse and now spouse, Kiana. Uh, Kiana is a marriage and family therapist with a concentration on serving communities of color. It's amazing to see just their development uh and you know where they have come from and where they're at now amazing stuff i'm so excited to have chase on y'all gotta hear just the stuff that's been going on go to first start out with this rap and then we about to get into the to the actual talk uh so check this out enjoy the song uh and uh enjoy the talk
0: all right fam Yeah, uh... So what's been happening from birth to now? A wild kid from the Caribbean Sent to New York to hold it down In the concrete jungle Ready to rumble We had accents Outfits wasn't matching It kept us humble Cut from the same cloth As our ancestors up north Just a little further south We got dropped off Wu-Tang raised me Along with Nas, Pac, and Jay-Z Those were my pastors Priests, prophets, and Jedi masters Gave me a swagger In a world full of anti-blackness Passing through metal detectors After elementary my institutions tried to prep me for the penitentiary pray for ukraine but it's been a war on us for centuries turning 38 a special trust that wasn't meant for me now i'm blessed to see two sons and a dope partner left evangelicalism stranded at the altar thanks to brenda salter mcneil lisa sharon harper kelly brown douglas will gaffney and others teaching the brother that god is love like a mother beyond gender a mind bender for these structures Poetry is a part of me cause my daddy did it. Lyricism attached to me since my double helix. Shout out Kiana, my true and living black Madonna. Shout out my mama, the love she gave me made me stronger. Went to seminary, got a masters of divinity. But could you ever master mystery? That title gets to me. White supremacy and cyber educational degree. Liberation been a journey, but our brother's getting free from patriarchy, homophobia, and masculinity. Who I'm called to be, the spirit showed it to me vividly. So from birth to now, we're brothers on a journey faithfully, uh, faithfully, yeah, uh. So from birth to now, we're brothers on a journey faithfully, uh. Do they want more bars there? Do they want more bars? Uh, do they I don't want know. more bars? I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But that's what's been happening from birth to now, uh. Just had to spit some bars to hold it down. That's what's been happening from birth to now. Just had to spit some bars to hold it down. Profane faith.
1: Oh man. Okay, yeah. brother. And yeah, you know it was yeah, like yeah. that. God damn. <laughs> damn, damn, you damn. Know? Yes. Yes. And to come up in here
0: properly.
1: That's what I'm talking about, brother. You,
0: yes. Yeah, man. You you made that
1: track. Whole thing come alive right there, Yo, right?
0: fam. It was, it was alive before I got to it. That's why I wanted to spit on it so badly. <laughs> I was like, yo, how could I introduce that as a part of me? I was like, I got to embody it. Got to embody it.
1: Yeah, man. How did you, man? I mean, I love that. I mean, you got the birth to now. You got, I mean, and to hear it, and we were just talking about this, right? It's like- to hear your shit and then but but to hear it with words, right? Cause I'm just hearing the music and to hear it with words, mm. it's like it's a whole different environment. So yeah, I, yeah. I was I was vibing like a mom I got over here, man. This was Yo, this was this was dope, man. How long you been rapping? Has it yeah. just
0: been you? Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been rapping for like Since I was like 12. Damn. So I'm 38 now. So that was in the that was in the rhyme. I did a little double entendre, you know, (laughs) turning 38 is special, like the 38 special. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't meant to be, you know. So I've been rapping for like 20, golly, 26 years, bro. Hmm. Yo, I just said the number and I was like, wait, surely I meant 16, but nah, that would make me 28. (laughs) A brother been rapping for like 30 years. And so I had a a friend of mine who was was an older guy on on our block uh, growing up and he had all this DJ equipment. Mm -hmm. And so it was this dope thing where he just kind of took me under his wing and he would let me rap on his beats. His name was Reggie. Okay. Uh, out there in Mount Vernon, money earning. That's where <laughs> I grew up, right next to the Bronx. You know yeah, what I'm come saying? Come on, man. Come on. Home of Heavy D, P. Diddy. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And so, yeah. So he just took me in and he would let me rap over these beats. And so he was like seriously doing the thing. Uh, but he made time for, for this 12-year-old kid to just string some words together. So that wow. was my first start. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow,
1: wow, wow. And I always love those origin stories, man, cuz it's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we all come to this thing, you know, a little bit differently and stuff and and especially right in the black community, man, the arts is yeah. is is high, right? It's like Yeah. Um I always wonder what the Olympics would look like what what would gymnastics look like if more black people was, you know what I'm saying? Yo, I mean, think about what Serena yo. and v- Venus have done to tennis.
0: Right. No. (laughs) You you know what they would do that they would change the rules. Yep. Because that's literally what they have been doing Mm. in gymnastics, uh, where it's subjective scoring and those subjective and that subjective scoring is uh, done according to a Eurocentric standard. That's it. Like they've literally done these things where they have changed the score. They uh, I think they did it to uh, Simone Biles where she had a particular move. And then the judges said, "You can't do that. Like you actually, we won't score that move if you do it again, because no one else can do it."
1: I heard about that. I heard about that.
0: That's yo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! I thought I thought I thought whiteness was supposed to be supreme, right? Like what? What happened? (laughs) Right? What
1: happened, y'all? Motherfuckers couldn't do it. So now you want to score? No one else can do it, right? Yeah, man. it's It reminds me, I remember I had a dean. Of course, he was white when I, when I was, uh you know, when I it was about I know, six years ago. He had accused me of self-plagiarizing. Now, this nigga hadn't re- read any of my shit. He just saw, because, you know, at the end of the year, you know, you tally up all your publications and you yeah. put that shit out there. He was like, well, are you self-plagiarizing? I was like, what? How do you get so many, you know, articles out there? And I'm like, motherfucker, right, really? Just because you ain't done shit in 35, 40 years, like... But that's right. That's the uh, that's the level of like, there's no way these uncivilized people could yep. be writing this much or, you know, doing a yep. skill that much. Um, Man, brother. So how you how you living now, man? I loved the Instagram post that you put out for like Ash Wednesday. I love seeing y'all. Yeah, catch. I was yeah, around there. Yeah. I would I would have come through, man. I love seeing that. What's going on, man? What's been happening? What's, yeah, been, what's been cracking out there? And because uh, y'all living in where are y'all still in
0: Pasadena or no? Nah, not nah, yo, fam, we cannot afford Pasadena, which <laughs> yeah. is this it's a yeah. wild phenomenon, yeah. right? Uh called gentrification. So Come the on. median home price mm-hmm. in Pasadena is 1.7 million dollars. Like that's the median. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, oh. brother. So, <laughs> One po- so we we 1.7 million. Like that's and that's the median. That's like we're not even talking about more South Pasadena, because for, for anybody listening, if you don't really know Pasadena, the way that it's structured is uh Northwest Pasadena in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, after they built the 210 freeway, which they did all across America, right? The interstate system displaced so many black and brown families from home ownership. And so in Pasadena, the 210 freeway is that line of demarcation. And so after you pass the 210 freeway. And go north of that is black and brown folks, in, and we up in there. So one point seven isn't even the parts of Pasadena that weren't uh, redlined. Hmm. One point seven is like that's that's in northwest. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's pushing black and brown folks out east. You know, so we're about fifteen minutes east. We're in Glendora. So you go Pasadena, Duarte, Azusa, and then we're about three cities over. So we about fifteen minutes away. Okay. with no traffic, but we saw them prices. It was like, ah, right. uh, the, the the spirit is leading us east.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. Wow, yeah. that almost tripled, man. Because when I was there, it was I think yeah. the median price was five sixty five or something like that, man. And even then, I mean, I this is ten years ago. I couldn't afford that yeah. shit then, man. I yeah. don't know damn yeah. adjunct salary. Yeah. Um
0: Wow. Yeah. And that just and that's just. uh You know, that's just keeping in line with American history, because if you ask the question, well, you know, I had a brother come up to me who was who moved out here from New York uh, not too long ago. And he was asking me, he was like, yo, where where are the black and brown folks in the San Gabriel Valley? You know, and that's such a telling question, because throughout American history, if you want to ask, well, where do black and brown folks live? They live and we live wherever, you know, white people essentially don't. (laughs) Right. Right. It's like the inverse of that. Right. Right. Because all those resources and and, and power hoarding Mm -hmm. uh, through white supremacy and primarily through home ownership. Right. That's the number one creator of wealth and always has been in America. And that historically has been where uh, black folks and brown folks, you know, because when you look at Northwest Pasadena specifically, uh, it was written into housing covenants and contracts that black people and Mexicans could not own homes in certain areas and neighborhoods. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if that's the number one producer of wealth in the country, and then that's also been one of the number one places where white supremacy has hoarded power economically, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you're going to live wherever they ain't. It's <laughs> like, yo, we want this back. Right. And we got the resources. We're going to put cash down, on this 1.7 million, like all cash. Yep. Like not even like a down payment. Like we just gonna buy the whole thing. It's like you can't you can't compete with that, you know. So well, and it's interesting because in
1: this crazy ass housing market that's happening right now. I've read several reports. Uh, I think NPR reported on it, but, you know, uh, I've read some stuff. I subscribe to New York Times, Washington Post, Boston Globe, LA Times, of course. I still get that. Um, And it's talking about just how this market's so crazy that it's got investors coming in and paying cash. So that automatically, right, begins to just take away (laughs) – all kind of folks right because I'm like
0: straight cash
1: I ain't got yep. the cash even if it was like you know oh this house is $180,000 I'm like well shit if I give y'all my loans maybe y'all can take that as, as the cash Hello. Sh- Hello. <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> I but, got the cash right? <laughs> that's just it and 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 it was interesting because there's a couple of organizations now that will front the cash for homeowners and then they become the bank and whatnot. I not don't, I don't know what to think about that and you know I don't know what yeah, the long yeah. term you know things of that is but my point in saying all that is is that it feels like you were just talking about right the rules get changed
0: yeah yeah
1: it's like the minute you get to a certain level it's like oh inflation oh yeah. we're gonna yeah. take these things up oh we're gonna go do this and so now a middle class income really isn't even it it's, it's kind of like the debate right now where people saying oh well a bachelor's degree doesn't even really count for much anymore it's like oh this is that interesting now that more ethnic minorities are coming into college In acquiring degrees, now all of a sudden we gonna say it 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 isn't worth much.
0: Now we're gonna change the rules. That's and and the and the ironic feels like the wrong word. I just want I'm, I'm gonna say. The the historical thing about it, because, again, when you look at history, this is mm-hmm. often what happens. So when you go into those places uh, like Northwest Pasadena all throughout America, right, these homes that we're talking about that are being bought up in, in places where black and brown folks are being pushed out, you see a lot of those cities and in a lot of those neighborhoods, you'll see Black Lives Matter signs in the yard. <laughs> You, you feel me? Yeah, brother. Come on. Come on with it. Come on with it. Yes. You'll, you'll see Black Lives Matter signs in the yard and people who believe, you know, theoretically in the flourishing of black people and who will say that with a sign and who will say that verbally. Yeah. You know, but when it comes down to it, white supremacy is about power. It's not about sentimentality and how we feel in our hearts. The purpose of white supremacy and what it has done in America is to pre- reserve and hoard power for white people. That is. Right. So unless we are talking about a discussion that relinquishes your power, we ain't really talking. You know? So you you go through the neighborhoods and you Right. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'll never forget, yo. Um I was out in uh, Minneapolis uh, okay. last year um, mm-hmm. for the one-year mark of mm. uh, our brother George Floyd being murdered yep. by Minneapolis p- police, and and a good friend of ours, um, uh, Janelle Austin, she, yeah. she's been on the show. You know Janelle. Oh man, Janelle, she was just, awesome. Yo, she she's incredible. She's incredible. She she's holding it down out there. You could read about. She's got the article in Vanity Fair, I think. So. If, you, if y'all want to Google uh Janelle Austin Vanity Fair, it's a really, really dope read. I'll but put I that in she, the show she, notes. Yeah, yeah, throw that in the show notes. But she was telling us the story of uh in 2020, right, right after Floyd was murdered, uh, the protests and the marches that were happening in Minneapolis, right? And you would see uh the Black Lives Matter signs in the in the neighborhood. And then she said, Something phenomenal started happening. White folks coming out of those same houses with those same signs in the yards were coming out to make sure the marches and protests didn't affect and go through their own personal property. See. You feel me? See, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, unless we're talking about relinquishing power, we're not, we not really having a discussion.
1: So, all right, man, I got like a, a lineup of questions for you, man, because this this touches in on a lot of what we're dealing with now. I feel like this has kind of been a reckoning era, at least over the last, I don't know, six years. And so I think the pandemic is kind of like really with the ushering in of. Uh, an open white supremacist I mean we've had white supremacists in the, in the presidential office We've known that I mean Ronald Reagan Right Tore up What was left of the black mm-hmm, neighborhood From the mm-hmm. 70s and 60s tore it up with crack cocaine And that's not even a You know people don't even shy about that It's like well yeah of course we sold crack To liberate you know Nicaragua And all this shit man So but he but at least Reagan kept the quiet stuff on the inside you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying Trump just said fuck it but we've we've hit this reconciling area man how have you navigated because I know you've been working in the church how is that the case yeah, and, yeah. And, and particularly with where you've been again don't share anything you don't want to share but I'm just yeah, I'm yeah. curious man how you've navigated this walk especially living in one of the most expensive places in the country not not let alone the world.
0: Yeah, yeah, fam, yo how have I navigated that? Sometimes I, sometimes I have it. Come on. (laughs) Sometimes a brother, you know, you just shut, you just shut the door and and you just cuss. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I love this show so much because that's what we do on this show. You know? So sometimes that navigation ain't ain't always pretty, you know? And so, and I I think what you're touching on too, a big part of what you're touching on at least is, is the world of, of evangelicalism. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the world of white evangelicalism Evangelicalism intersects squarely with this era of of Trumpism, right? And the and the ushering in of this era, it, it was almost as if America, white America at least, this is a this is a nasty analogy. It's kind of crass, but I think it's the best analogy that I, that comes to me in the moment. It's almost as if white America was was holding in a fart for like thirty years, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, you know what come, I'm saying? Come so on, like thirty. Man for like 30 years. <laughs> so so post civil rights, uh, right? Going into the era of black power, it's it's like, okay, you can't say the same things you used to say. And, you know, now we got to cover it up with all this language and and, and contort ourselves in all these different kind of ways and use code words to say what we really mean. You know, so now we say law and order and all this other stuff. Right. Uh, thug had to uh, replace the N word. You know what I'm saying? So you could say the same things, but you just had to use this coded and veiled language. And then all of a sudden in the era of Trump, it was like, nah, you can fart. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let it out. Yes. Let it out, you know? And and the primary place, at least for me, where that stink was let out was, you know, in the church. In the church, because so many of those things are fused together theologically. You know what I'm saying? So that's the primary Mm. place you're going to smell that funk and that release of, of what white supremacy has been holding in and what white folks have been holding in for so long is, is in the church, you know? So I remember this was 2016, 2017 preaching a sermon saying, I believe that Jesus died for my black body. So I support black lives matter because Jesus lived the black experience and died <laughs> like a black man. <laughs> Woo! Cause in today's context, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, The death that Jesus died, right. Uh, that would have been lethal injection in San Quentin. You yep. know what I'm saying? That yep. that would have been that would have been the equivalent. But what white evangelicalism has does it, it strips the political aspect oh and the prophetic and political aspect of Jesus's death uh, completely. It makes it completely about substitutionary atonement. Woo! But it's like Woo! Jesus didn't die for our sins as much as <laughs> Jesus got killed by a state that didn't like what he was saying and got killed by a religious institution that was linking arms with a state that didn't like what Jesus is saying. You know what I'm saying? But if Jesus Mm. died for our sins, that takes the political and social responsibility out of Jesus's death so we could just keep it pushing. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. so, but I remember preaching that sermon and it was like, it was like, nah, you can't say that. Like, don't don't say that up in here. Like, (laughs) see, see, you know? Gosh. Yes. It's, oh, you, man. It's too loaded. It's too loaded. It's too charged, you know, but in that in that conversation, what we're doing when we say those things and say, hey, please don't say this because it's too loaded and it's too charged. I think what we end up doing, whether intentionally or not, is centering the white experience. Yeah. Oh, because who is it too charged for? Right. Who is that too much for? Right. There were lots of black people that were shouting when I said that. It's I'm, like, finally. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, it's like somebody took a deodorizer and some Febreze and opened the windows and sprayed it all up in here. You know, there, there were people who were deeply encouraged in their flesh and in their spirit by hearing a preacher say Black Lives Matter in the pulpit. Right. Right. So right. We, we center whiteness when we say, oh, yeah, we can't say that because. This demographic might not be feeling that, you know, so I think a question in terms of how I've navigated is not not always. Well, I, I bumped up against it a, a lot of different times, you know, and, and is was really discouraging, you know, and that's part of a uh, big part of the reason why I'm in the place that I'm at now. So you mentioned Ash Wednesday. Yeah. A brother's now at All Saints Episcopal Church okay. in Pasadena. If you're in the San Gabriel Valley, the L.A. area, holler at us. 626 in the place. (laughs) 626, you know, right there on Euclid. Yeah. uh, Right across from City Hall. And so All Saints is this uh, dope place uh, that historically has been anti-war since the 1960s, was very vocal against the Vietnam War. Uh, It's a church and a space that has been... uh, that has been an affirming space for LGBTQ+, identifying folks for over 30 years. Right. Before it was popular, right? (laughs) Before it was popular, right? Yeah. Um, It's a space that was so anti-war that in 2006 or 2007, I believe, uh, the Bush administration uh, got the IRS... On all saints was I, trying to strip it of the tax exemption. Yep. You remember yep, that, right? I remember, yep. because um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was some stuff coming out of that pulpit that was like, yo, we gotta call the war in Iraq what the war in, in Iraq is. It's some right. BS. Right. You know, and yep. so it's historically this place that has that has pushed a lot of boundaries and that has spoken prophetically and it has and has been what Dr. King, King called the church to be, which is the conscience of the state. Right. And so that's where our brother is at now. And at the same time, All Saints Episcopal Church in Pasadena is a place that is deeply entrenched and entangled uh, in white supremacy. Mm. Right. So it's this it's this it's this prophetic, progressive space. And it's been prophetic and progressive. Yeah, brother. It's it's prophetic and progressive when it pertains to uh, human sexuality and when it pertains to war and when it pertains to other progressive politics and policies, but when it comes to race, again, going back to that image of white progressives having Black Lives Matter signs yeah, in their yards, but yeah. telling us, hey, you better not come through my property, right? <laughs> it has been a space that has, that has been behind uh, on subjects and matters of race, right? And it's deeply <sighs> entrenched in white supremacy. But the hopeful thing about it, and that's mm-hmm. why our brother is, is there. Yeah, yeah. The hopeful thing about it yeah. is that all saints knows this about itself and is committed to repenting and repairing it. Okay. You know what I mean? And, and like, that's in rare. The, and it's some and that's rare. And that's in a in a real way relinquishing like real power, right? So We're doing a couple different campaigns. Uh, One is called Tell the Whole Story. Uh, The first phase of that campaign, we're going to be telling the story of our stained glass windows and the iconography, the white supremacist Eurocentric iconography that surrounds the building. You look Mm. up on those stained glass windows and it's all white faces.
1: (laughs) uh, Absolutely, man.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So what am I supposed to feel as a black person stepping into that space? Mm Mm-hmm. Even if I can't articulate it or if I don't say it uh, verbally or think it internally in my body, when I see those images, the signal that it sends to my shoulders and to my gut is that I ain't supposed to be here. Like, oh, shoot, did I end up in the right place? You know, so what we're going to do at All Saints is we're going to tell that story. (laughs) We're going to be like, yo, look at these windows. And then we're going to tell the story of how those windows even got up there and the money that went to fund those windows and where that money came from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to talk about what does it look like to take those windows down and replace that iconography with some iconography that is actually radically inclusive, because that's one of our core values is radical inclusivity. So when we talk about radical inclusivity, it's not just this esoteric idea Right. It's like, no, how do we actually embody that? We're going to embody that through the stained glass windows, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's phase one. The other phase that we started as well is, is just having conversations with the Gabrielino Tongva Nation, mm. right, uh, whose land we uh, sit on and, and and stand on here in Los Angeles. Uh, we just had a historian from the Tongva Nation come and, and, and speak at one of our forums a few weeks ago. And we're going to be dialoguing with them about what reparations look like, right? And 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 so uh, my brother uh, Mike Kinman, who's the lead rector at All Saints, he said, "Chase, you know, we're having these conversations, and you know, we're going to ask the Tongva, what do reparations look like for y'all? And if they say we want our land back, we're going to figure it out." And wow. I was like, "Yo, I just got here." <laughs> <laughs> right i just got here you know right, what i'm saying right so, <laughs> like, i just i just I pulled just up put my stuff down in my office <laughs> like, <laughs> right i haven't put a picture you know up what I'm yet. Saying? right right <laughs> can there be a separate wing for black people uh, who ain't had nothing to do with this right right <laughs> exactly exactly you know, you know like but real talk though you know exactly <laughs> but yeah but yeah but those are some of the hopeful conversations that Uh, you know, that we're going to be having that actually look like uh, relinquishing power. There's also another story that we're going to tell in relationship to a sister church that's in Pasadena called St. Barnabas. Uh, And there's a historical story there uh, where uh, black people would have to drop off uh, the white folks that they worked for. This is going back to the late 1800s, early 1900s. They dropped them off at All Saints. They weren't allowed to worship at All Saints. And so then they had to go up uh, into Northwest Pasadena and worship at St. Barnabas. Okay. So we're going to tell that story, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and then ask that same question, what does repair actually look like, right? So so it's a place that's uh, entangled and entrenched in white supremacy, but that knows it and is committed to to, to repairing that. So, yeah, so yeah. it's still a hopeful spot.
1: I, I love hearing this, man, because, I mean, there's, there's so much shit that you hear that isn't hopeful, right? It's like you yeah, got— yeah so much of what we see now in politics, right, is wrapped up with, you know, white American evangelicalism, and it's just sickening, right? I mean, and, and and the more you learn about it, which I know you have, we can get to that here in a second, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, like this is revolting, like enough. Yeah. It's like a tub filled with just sewer water, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is disgusting. So to hear that there's actually folks who are trying to put this stuff And like you said, that term "radical" that is big, Um, yeah. Because to live in that, to live in that sense of radicalness, it does take a lot. I, I, you know, and so many institutions. And I, you know, I'm in higher ed. They all talk about this, all oh, this radical inclusivity, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, they all talk this stuff, but it's just a box to check off so you can get your Hispanic, you know, yep. uh, grants. Yep. You know, you can get your black and brown this and this and that. NAACP. As long as I ain't got nobody trying to cancel me, I'm right.
0: Right, <laughs> right, right. And, and I think the key word that you're always listening for. And so to, to any black folks listening, uh any indigenous people. Of color listening, if you are going to uh, to take a risk on a white institution, which, you know, I ain't even fully recommending. This is just personally for yeah, me, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think if you're even in that position, and if you're in that position now, I think one of the key words that you're always listening for to uh, to really try to discern if this institution means what they're saying is you're always listening for the word power. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I yeah. remember sitting down. We were at Perry's Joint uh, out there in Northwest Pasadena. Shout out to Perry. Yeah. It's a dope spot out there. Yes, The sir. best sandwiches you, you've you ever had. Oh, I love them. Love them. I miss them. But sitting, Yeah, it's, brother, it's it's bomb. It's bomb. And I think they got, uh, today's Friday? Oh. Yeah, they're going to have that, uh, that, that, pr- that prime rib, I think, oh. on Friday. So, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, anyway, um... I'm about to go there after this. There after you wrap go. Up. Oh, don't say that, man. Shoot, shoot. <laughs> about to hit Perry's <laughs> up right after this. But um, but I never forget. I was sitting down, uh, with, with Mike and we and we talking about the the potential and the possibility of me joining staff. And he was like, "Yeah, if you if you come on staff, I know it means I got to give up power, and I'm going to do that." And I was like, "All right." Okay. All right, we'll see. Okay, right. But, you know, it's Right. A- <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that, you know? So, yeah, but you always listen for that word power. Yes. Anything else is is just an illusion. If yes. a relinquishment and a reordering of power is not in the equation, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's an illusion. Yeah.
1: No, that's for sure. No, that's definitely for sure. And that's one of the things that I that I always look for, right? It's like, where, where's the power who has it, and are they hoarding it, right? You know, mm-hmm, it's like, you know, is mm-hmm. there an unusual amount of power? Because I always, you know, people like, oh, well, we, there are black people here, or they're going to say, right, but do they have an unusual amount of power? Do they actually have access? Because like you said, and in, in the, they changed the rules. It's like, I'm department chair, and when I was underneath a white department chair, this like, the chair was like, God. Like, they could just move mm. anything. These motherfuckers mm. could just do anything they wanted, but then when I became chair, Come now, on. Now I can't do now. My budget's being Come tied on. up now. I can't hire this person. Now I can't bring this. Per- oh, I can't do it. No, no, no. You got to go through the dean. Now you got to go through the dean and the provost.
0: All these checks and balances. Right. Yep. Yep. And I'm because, like, because go ahead. His, historically, only whiteness is supposed to be unilateral. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think the vision for uh, communities and, and healthy organizations is not even to be unilateral and move that way in the way that whiteness does, but but to reorder power completely so there's more of a communal thing, and so that power isn't hoarded by anybody. Right. You know what I'm saying? So because I think, so, especially for me as a as a as a cis black man, mm-hmm. the temptation for me is yo chase. If you just play your cards right, you could get white right. male adjacent. Right. Right. <laughs> and right. You, and you could and you could flex and kind of be in that category. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. But 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 we have to resist that temptation and say, you know what, like only whiteness is is allowed to move unilaterally and is empowered in that kind of unilateral way. But even if I get in that position, I don't want that unilateral power. I want to reorder and be a part of something that is reordering power all together. Yep. Wayne's just trying to rearrange yep. the furniture up in here. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. Nah, man. And that's
1: that for me has been the struggle and trying to find. And I think that's what honestly is depressing, right? About because it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Prior to 2016, had someone asked me, "Hey, what should we be doing?" I would have had a thing like, "Hey, let's do this, let's do that, let's do yeah, this." Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I've said this on the show before, but I'll say it again. It's like I feel like I wasted so much of my life. Because those same people who were like, oh, yeah, damn, we're good, you know, went out and voted for this guy not once but twice um, and continued to support this type of ideology. And all the while, it's just kind of lip service. Right. And here we Mm -hmm. are in twenty twenty two. I'm just like I don't have the patience for any of that stuff. Somebody the other day asked because um, I always get all these requests on on social media mm-hmm. from white guys who you know I can already tell. <laughs> just Give me, you got you got any books? Right, right, exactly, any, uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. They read some some little quick article from yeah. Kimberly Crenshaw or maybe mm-hmm. they you know mm-hmm. saw oh Robin DiAngelo, white fragility. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Tell me more about this, Professor Hodge. Mm-hmm. And they reached out, and they were, and I knew them. This is the only reason I responded, because they were just like, "Oh, we want you to come on, and you know, and scare some people, man." I was like, "Okay, hold, hold, time out, time the fuck out," because that's always a a a. That, for me, is always a a trigger warning, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) To, you know, because I remember, I ain't, you know, I ain't going to name no names. I remember when I was at at Lake, though, I remember the youth pastor Mm -hmm. who was there was a white guy was just like, I want you to come and scare all of our leaders and talk about race. And I fell for it that time.
0: Mm, mm, mm.
1: Because the white leaders are always able to say, oh, my gosh, that's, they're really radical. That's them. I, I'm, I, you mm-hmm. know, and I was like, I, I don't even know, you know. It's like they can deflect all of that shit, and and I struggled in my relationship at that church uh, for That's a real. long time because of that conversation, and I had no support from the white yeah. folks who wanted me to come. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just like. Hell to the fuck nah, man. And and you even asking me that tells me you really haven't even done your homework and done your, mm-hmm, your absolute mm-hmm. work. When folks are like, hey, can you give me a bibliography? Like, nigga, I wrote eight books. Have you read any of
0: them? <laughs> Shit. Every last one of them. You just read one. Right. And you got a whole bibliography in the back. All of it. Footnotes. <laughs> Chapter Shit. by chapter. Right. And that and that and I think what you speak to uh brother is it, it reminds me of this conversation I remember uh gosh, this was back in shoot, I'ma mess up all the names of these churches. There's a church in Alabama. Uh he, you remember this? The the, the pastor got caught mm. uh liking all these like insane, far right, just like racist <laughs> yeah. like posts on yeah. Twitter. You remember yeah. this? Yes. Like Right, So he gets caught liking all of these posts and it's this big scandal. And the first thing he does is he gets up on Sunday morning Uh and then he calls up all of his black staff members and black friends to come up on stage and stand with him. I remember that
1: shit, too. I remember the the optics of that. Yes. Yes. Right. And
0: so and so what that speaks to is this dynamic where black folks become shields. You know what I'm saying? For the for the for the white people who. who, Oh, yeah. I'm not I'm not racist. Right. I'm I'm, I'm one of the good ones. Right. You know (laughs) what I'm saying? And you become this this shield of protection around that where it's like, well, how can I how can I be? racist. How can I be right. problematic if I have all of this uh black support right. around me but you don't question the power dynamics that go into that support. That person they might just need a job. You know what I'm saying? Did they feel like, you know what I'm saying? When they went up on stage that they could say no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Exactly. You know? So yeah, yeah. So that that speaks to that problematic relationship of 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 being a shield, you know? Yep. So yeah. Yep. Yes, my, my organization,
1: my school asked me for Black History Month. Like, oh, we're gonna, we're highlighting, you know, black faculty members and 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 we wanna, you know, put you on out there. I was and I got back to them, copied the dean as well. And I was like, nope. Do not put my stuff out there. Don't put me, don't link me to anything. I don't want to be known. That's, that's cool. Like even in professional settings, I am an independent scholar. I am not under mm-hmm, y'all's mm-hmm. name and shit. And I'll tell you why or where this came from. Um, this was like, I don't know, four, four and a half years ago, something like that. Um, and we had this, you know, provost that was supposed to be this racial God, a white guy, but he was a racial God, <laughs> you know, and everybody's like, Oh my gosh, we got him and stuff. I'm just like, man, i ain't that impressed let's just keep it real let's mm, keep it 100 mm. i ain't that impressed um and i remember uh this was in fact this was right after the ccda talk uh that yeah, i yeah. gave you know and somebody was pissed off now you know what they were pissed off they weren't even pissed off about the content they weren't even pissed off mm. that i'm referencing a book my book that i have all mm. the sources and the research and they were you know what they, they were Come they on. were mad because i said fuck
0: Mm, come on, come and on.
1: it was some. <laughs> but here's and here's the catcher. It was a Latinx pastor I don't know who. I know it was a he. I don't know what his name was because these people are always cowards. They they never want to, because I was just like, look, come, let's sit, let's fa- sit face yeah. to face. Come at me, man. Shit, yeah, yeah, Let's talk let's about this. Yeah. Come on, I'm, I got. I'm like the yeah. Joker, the first Joker. Like I took my mask <laughs> off. Oh, shit, I ain't got. You. Where are you at, bruh? No, no, we ain't going to do that. And so they they, they, they had me sign this thing that basically said, anytime I'm going to get up in public, I can't put the, the university's name in my mouth. You know, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what it was saying. So I was like, all right, cool. But that goes both ways. So the next book that's coming out yeah. next year, that ain't going to have the university's name on it as well. And so I've removed all of that shit. And that's the thing. I have the space to do that because I'm tenured. But a lot of cats don't. Do you have the freedom to be able to, to, to opt out of that stuff, man? And because yeah. whiteness wants to come after they're evil. It's it's like, and, and when I say they're evil, I mean the, the system of whiteness is evil. Um and like Thandika, the universalist theologian and mystic says, it's like you don't have to be white to be white. It is a system, mm. it's a culture, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that shit gets indoctrinated into you, man, and you know, I don't know. It's 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 yeah. they come after your your job. is, is basically what I'm yeah, saying, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you yeah. going to struggle and, and and since we're already <laughs> living hand to mouth and stuff, man, it can be a challenge. Um
0: you and married I'll oh, go Zoom, ahead. Go ahead. is is this uh, it, it reminds me of the work of uh, Resmaa Menachem, right? When, when he talks about in uh, my grandmother's hands, you can throw that in the show notes too. It's, it's a powerful, powerful book. And he's dealing in this realm of what he calls uh, somatic abolition, Woo! right? Where uh-huh. it's like, how do we abolish the way that white supremacy has been uh, conditioned for generations into our bodies. Right. It's like this stuff lives in our shoulders. Like the, the, the trauma lives in our, in our gut. It's in our chest. You know what I'm saying? The heaviness that we feel a lot of it is, isn't even a cognitive thing. It's a bodily thing that's been passed down to us for generations. Right. And so we hold that generational trauma as black folks who endured enslavement, you know, and then there's, when he talks about White folks, what he talks about is this this concept and this idea of, of moral injury, right? Mm. Like, who do you become in the process of inflicting this kind of trauma for generations? Wow. And who do you become wow. in the process of ignoring that trauma and allowing it to be done on your behalf? Oof. You Ooh. know what I'm saying? Oh. Like, the, the, the denial that has to live and exist in your body for generations to perpetuate that, or to allow it to be perpetuated on your behalf is is enormous. You know what I'm saying? So so we got to do this work of, of abolishing that stuff in our bodies in the way that we've internalized it. Like right. you talked about the, the brother who is who is a Latinx pastor. It's like we, we can internalize that stuff mm-hmm. and that stuff could get stuck and in, in trapped in us. So it's not even like a, a, a response of cognition. It's like this autonomic like reflex. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? To, to morally police people, to tone police, all yep. these different things because they because they live in us. You know what I'm saying? They they live in us. So we got to do the work of not just dismantling the systems externally, but we got to do the work of dismantling the systems internally uh as, as well. And that's some hard work. Ooh, y'all.
1: It is some hard work, man. It is. And I don't think a lot of people want to actually deal with with that. Right. It's like especially in church. Right. I mean, it's like a lot of folks kind of want to go feel good and. Maybe throw their wig around a little bit and run around and you know, I always tell folks when they try to invite me to come speak, I'm just like, look, especially if it's a white church, like I don't I don't do the traditional black hooping and hollering. I don't dance on stage. Mm. I can't sing. Mm. I can't even rap, <laughs> okay?
0: So, so if you think this is that, <laughs> right? You know yeah, yeah.
1: what I'm saying? I mean, and that's you know, I'm and I always tell folks like, man, you know, why don't you go and listen to a few episodes of Profane Faith and maybe read a couple of articles that I, you know, I written, and then let me know if you really want to, you know, have mm. this conversation and stuff, man. I had some some uh, student at Fuller the other day reached out to me via email. I was like, oh, I want to talk about this and missiology and the urban environment, and that and that. I'm like. Um, no, 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 mm. no. And I think that's, you said it, the 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 trauma, the labor that gets locked yeah. in us, right, to constantly have to rehash
0: yeah. these
1: yeah. things, right? So we're, it's the reason why, like, even on the podcast, it's like I, I shared my story as the first episode because I was like, there, yeah. it's there. Yeah. If you really want to know, it's Go all back. there. Yep. It's all there because... A lot of these things, man, it's like it's rehashing some of the trauma, man. It's rehashing yeah, yeah, some yeah, of those yeah, memories yeah, yeah. and stuff, man. It's yeah, like,
0: yeah, yeah, and We and We 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 worthy of so much more than a rehashing of our pain, our struggle, and, and our death. Like I, th- I think the two emotions that uh, that we aren't allowed to feel as black folks uh, would be joy and then rage. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like those are the two. Because if you think about it, those two emotions and those two feelings are are, are useless to, right. to this system that we that we exist inside of. Right. Right. It's like why you want to see black people happy? What's the point of that? That's pointless. You know what I'm saying? And, and black rage is dangerous. Right. Right. Like joy is pointless to white society and black rage is dangerous. You know what I mean? Ooh. So. It's like that suffering Woo. and that death it and, and rehashing that pain. It's, it it really is 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 trauma porn. That's really what it, it, it is. It, it's the equivalent of. You know what it I'm saying? Is. And absolutely yeah, but leaning into joy is pointless and, and, and rage is dangerous. Man but, but but the struggle, the pain, yeah, all the ways you were hurt, uh, give me more, you know? Right, exactly,
1: exactly, <laughs> exactly, man. I remember when I was at Fuller, too, man. They wanted me to share my story. And I'm like, <laughs> why? Because the motherfuckers was building a new library at the time, right? Because they wanted me to go out and, and share my story and tell my testimonies. Like, but the end goal isn't just for your own edification yeah, yeah. or your own knowledge. This is to go and raise some money. You want to say, look who we have here at this school. Right. And look who comes. Let's fund this story, man. And it's it it's difficult because you're right, man. It's like I don't knock those pastors that stood up on that stage um, because at the end of the day, we're still locked in this capitalist society. Yep. I always tell folks like somebody had to pay for this microphone. Somebody yep. had to pay for this laptop. These lights yep. just ain't on because I prayed last night. Yep. Um, You know it. So we're locked in that sense of. A consumeristic society. Um, that's why I try not to get too woke. Cause it's like people who try to get mm-hmm, too woke mm-hmm. and then want to take the high road. I'm like, oh,
0: please. Mm-hmm, if mm-hmm, I dig long mm-hmm. enough, I don't want
1: to be a fundamentalist just on the other yeah. side.
0: Yeah. You know what that's I'm saying? Real. And that's, I think that's a, a good question to ask yourself, like in, in your context, like, what does the high road look like and what does the high road represent? Because just because it ain't the high road to me. Don't mean it might not be a high road to you. You know right. what I'm saying? It's right. like you said that that the the, the capitalism, the thing that that sows all of this together is is real. Like folks got to eat, folks got to live. You know what I'm saying? And then the thing I always try to remember is that I have not always been who I am in this moment. Yeah. So if yeah. I'm if I'm lashing out at you. Being judgmental at you, then what I'm really doing is I'm hating on my past self. Mm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> that's a word for somebody Ooh, today. Come on now. That you know is a word. Saying? Like, like that's really what's Damn. happening. You, you're hating your past self. You know what I'm saying? And mm. because time isn't this linear thing, it's more of a it's more of a circle than it is linear. Yeah when you hate your past self, you're actually hating a part of yourself presently because we're all made up of what came before. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, when, when I look at some of my fellow, I'm going to just speak for my own social location. Yeah, when yeah. I look at some of my fellow cisgender, you know what I'm saying? My had black male pastors, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I, got, I gotta see it with, with some eyes of grace because I have not always been who I have been. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and, if I, and if I'm lashing out at you, I'm really hating on me and the chase that came before this chase. And I ain't trying to do that. I'm embracing all of me, understanding and viewing the parts of me that were problematic, the parts of me that were perpetuating a violent system. Mm-hmm. I look at those things and I view those things with in two lenses, acceptance and repentance. Woo. I got to accept that about myself, but that still, that acceptance doesn't mean that I still don't have to repent. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I've been in that process damn. and it's a constant process. You got to do yeah. it over and over and it's a lot of many different things. You know what I'm saying? Because as human beings and the thing about evangelicalism, just going back to that, the thing it robs us of is, is the process. Mhm. It robs us of a journey of becoming. It robs us of a journey of evolving. It says you could grow, you could become, you could evolve, but here's the ceiling. Yeah. Here's the ceiling of yeah. that evolution and of that growth. You know what I'm saying? So, but as human beings, we should be constantly evolving. Constantly arriving, constantly. Like you got, you should, you should look back at your Facebook post from ten years ago and be like, I was bugging, right? <laughs> like, right. Like that's actually a good thing. You know what I'm saying? To be like, oh, I don't agree with myself from ten years ago. Yep. Like that should be consistent. I hope that I disagree with some stuff that I'm tweeting out now. Ten years ago, like, yo, dang, I wasn't really going far enough right there. Right. I wasn't saying enough right. You know right. what I'm saying? Yep. Like, oh you know and so yeah yeah so yeah yeah that that grace i think that's what you're speaking to is yeah it's so crucial because that lack of grace automatically is, extends back to you mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so yeah yeah yeah
1: man oh man there's so much there i mean that's i love that man and i think i miss those type of of messages um you know, from the pulpit, I'm kind of old school when it comes to that. I like, I like, I actually like hearing good messages that get you to think and, and whatnot, mm. man. I've, I've kind of uh, given up on church uh, in, in many yeah, regards. Yeah. Um, but I, I like that and I like the challenge, you know, to that because you're right. There is, it's an ongoing process. Um, and it's so easy, you know, especially living in the U.S. I mean, Right. It's easy to think, oh, man, you know, I got this one and done. Um, Mm -hmm, You know, I already mm -hmm. did that. I already worked on that. I mean, shoot, if anything, you know, grief, grief will make you think twice that you think you got it and it'll come Mm -hmm. back and bite you in the ass, man. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to keep on all day, man. I know you got things to do and life to do, man. Um. How, uh, what 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 are you reading now, man? I know you a family man. You got kids, uh, yeah, some yeah. some cute ones at that too, man. And um, oh, thank you, fam. Thank yeah, you. brother, thank you. Uh, brother. I, I I I love it, and I love that y'all are doing the damn thing. Um, how are you, you know, raising them now? What are you reading right now? What's uh, what's what's piquing your interest? And maybe yeah. it's just like you said. Yeah. I'm just just getting in my office and just setting stuff yeah. up.
0: Yeah, well, I like that first question of like how are how how am I raising them, and I, I'm trying to raise my my sons as tenderly as I possibly can. You know what mm. I'm saying? Because I, and I said this in my in my rap. Uh, one of the things that I'm being liberated from right now is masculinity, right, Ooh. and the concept and the idea of what masculinity is supposed to be. Oh. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Oh, bro. It, it, and, and, and how that translates to being a father, like what is a masculine, uh, manly father? How is that person supposed to father their children, especially their boys? Wow. Wow. Right. And so what, what gets uh, programmed into me is oh, I got to be I got to be hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I got to raise my sons tough. You know what I'm saying? But I'm choosing uh, to, as best as I possibly can and still in process. I'm choosing to raise them tenderly. Like I hug them as much as I possibly can. I kiss them as much as I, I possibly it. can. I show them affection. I get on their level. You know what I'm saying? I I try my best to to love them tenderly. And it, and it kind of came to me in this uh, it's it's I I like tweeted this a, a few months ago, but but it was this question, especially raising raising black boys right. in, in a world that just ain't for them. You know what I mean? Like there's this invisible clock that's, that's ticking. And when they hit a certain age and that age is undefined and it could pop up in any different circumstance or situation could be one of their teachers, who knows, you know, one of their classmates, all of a sudden the the clock goes off and it expires and you go from being a cute little boy to you, you are now a black adolescent threat. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so it's like, especially raising black boys, right? This, this, this question, I wrestle with it. But, but the question that, that I confronted myself with one day was, uh, do I want to raise my sons to be hard enough to survive this world? Or do I want to raise them to be soft enough to create a world that doesn't need surviving? Woo, wow. You feel me? Wow. Like I can raise them to be hard enough to survive the world, or I could take a risk and raise them to be soft enough to create a world that doesn't need surviving. Mm-mm-mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yo, and that's a, it's a risk, you know? Um, but I try my best to, to raise them uh, tenderly, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and gently and, and 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 softly, you know? So that's a, that's a work in progress, man. But but yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're doing. Um, and yeah, and, and my spouse, Kiana, she's incredible. Uh, you, you know, her, I believe you and Emily knew her before I did. She, yeah. Y'all go way back. <laughs> y'all go way back. Yo, so She's, she's an MFT. Um, and, uh, she's just incredible. Like she is, uh, a seer and a feeler and a person who, when you sit across from her, she has this ability and this energy and this, Aura to just make people feel safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where yeah. you feel like, oh, I can be vulnerable. I can I can open up. You know, and that's just her as a person, aside from being in an MFT. You know what I mean? Right. But it, that comes in handy uh in her practice and in a, uh, her approach to her work. So she's an incredibly wise uh person, uh, just really, really intelligent, really funny, low key. I don't always like to admit it, oh, you know, she is a lot of her jokes yeah, she is. a lot of her jokes be about me, you know? Like that's oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a love language, you know. That's yes. it's like yes. you know, it's like it's like getting on the people closest to you. So but 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 funny, uh beautiful. So she she's incredible. So yeah, so we 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 trying to do the thing, man. And um I think the second part to that question was what am I reading? Yeah. Yo, okay, so a mentor of mine. Uh, John Williams. I think you know John Williams. Oh yeah. He's always he's always reading like 10 different books. So I'm reading a few different things right now. Uh, I'm just starting to get into Christina Cleveland's God as a Black Woman. Okay. Uh, That's holding me down right now. That book is dope. Uh, Will Gaffney. um, And and also along the way, I'm just going to be naming. These are people who've been incredibly influential and and transformative in my process over the last several years as well. Right. So Will Gaffney, Womanist Midrash. is is just absolute fire. You know what I mean? So that that came out in 2019, 2020, somewhere Mm -hmm, around there. mm -hmm. So I've been uh, just reading through that. And this idea uh, that if you look at the Bible through the perspective of a black woman, Mm -hmm. it expands and it gets larger and it has a lot to say in between the lines that uh, sexist, misogynist translators translate it out. You know what I'm saying? So so she's getting into... Genesis one, where the spirit is hovering above the waters and she's like, yo, the spirit in the Hebrew is governed by the feminine pronoun. So what the Bible is really saying, what that origin story is really saying is the spirit of God. She hovered above the waters. And so that image in Genesis one is this image of a pregnant person rubbing their womb, Wow. Like, that, like wow. that's Genesis 1. It's like this, Is this imagery of the darkness of a womb and the life that comes out of darkness. None of us would be here if it was not for darkness. You know what I'm saying? The darkness yeah. of the womb that created us and gave us life. So I'm getting into that. Um, Lisa Sharon Harper, she just dropped a new book, Fortune. Yep, fortune, I'm reading, uh, yeah. I'm actually going on one of her 1619 pilgrimages to South Carolina this That's coming great. June. That's great. I'm excited about that because a brother's from the Caribbean. Yeah. Uh, and so the interesting thing about the Caribbean and South Carolina— is it was a fork in the road during the transatlantic slave trade. And so what would happen is uh, ships uh, holding enslaved Africans, kidnapping enslaved Africans would drop some of those enslaved Africans off in South Carolina, split up whole families without any concern, and then that same ship would then travel down to the Caribbean. Mm. So I got some ancestral kinfolk in South Carolina. I I know it. I feel it in my my bones, you know. Um, So, yeah, so going on that in the summer, uh, reading through my grandmother's hands, uh, that's the book about somatic abolition from Resma Manakum. That's a dope book. Uh, How the word is passed. I'm just looking at stuff that's on my desk right yeah, now. Yeah, this is a dope yeah, yeah. How the Word is Passed. Also, uh, some fiction. I love fiction because it's good for your brain and it's yep. just beautiful to get enveloped yep. in a story. And so, Octavia Butler. You know, reading through Wild Seed right now. Uh, she's dope. She's from Pasadena. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Octavia Butler. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then also too, like uh podcasts I jump into. Of course, this podcast oh, right on, here on, is, holds on. me Much down love. so frequently. Much yo. love, man. Much nah, love. Real, real talk, real talk. Your voice and the guests that you had on over the years have really held a brother down and been transformative in my journey mm. and experience as well. well. Thank you. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Netflix, yo, I've been binging, you know, because you can't get through this pandemic without binging. So yes. I've actually been getting into the the Kanye uh, documentary. I need, do you know, I need to do that. I need to do that. Yo, it's really good. And it's you kind of have to suspend. Well, you, you don't actually. I shouldn't say that. Uh, but it's but it's but it's this testament to the fact that people are complex and there are more things there are multiple things at once. Like Kanye is a deeply problematic, uh misogynistic, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, yeah, person. Yeah. Who's who's like displaying that on social media. And then he's also this lyrical musical genius. You know what I mean? And, and one of those sides of him doesn't cancel out the other. So, yeah. yeah, it's problematic as hell. But this documentary goes back to some of his early days, uh, especially when his mom was still alive and an anchoring influence in his life. So so that's been pretty dope. So been binging on that, you know. That's so, what's up. That's yeah, what's up. I got to yeah. check
1: that one out, too, man.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, it's dope.
1: I appreciate you, man. I appreciate just what you're doing, and, and 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 for taking the time out today. Um, again, just trying to be a dad and, and work full time and do all yeah. those things. That's enough to just take you out. So I I, I appreciate it, man. Um, working folks find you, brother? Maybe they want to bring you out. Maybe they're like, hey, you know, let's, yeah, yeah.
0: Let's
1: let's let's bring you to Chicago.
0: You know, let's yeah. Yeah. let's let's city. That's the right. Shop. Yeah, yo, some of that uh deep dish pizza, you know, that get y'all are famous for brother. out there. I'm you know, in the, the debate, because I'm from New York, so it's that big debate between yeah. New York pizza and Chicago. So I gotta right. get some of that. That's right. But yeah, so I'm on Instagram uh and Facebook, Instagram Chase784. Uh also on Facebook, Mark Anthony Chase. Uh, also, uh, you can find me at all, you could uh All Saints Church, Pasadena, All saints That's our website. So that's where a brother uh is a priest, you know, an episcopal priest. We didn't even dissect that, you know. So we gotta do like a part two. We uh, gotta, we, you know, yes. we just was chopping it up. Yes, but we gotta do it a definitely. Brother, a whole episcopal priest and all that comes with that right now. So, Ooh. but that's where a brother is is pastoring and, and and preaching uh so you can find me there, just come out uh if you're in the San Gabriel Valley yeah. LA area. It's it's just a dope community and a dope vision for what church can be. And if you want to experience church without a ceiling, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, it's a dope spot to to experience that. So, yeah.
1: That's what's up, man. And as always, I will put these links in the show notes at WhiteOgePodcast.com yes, and Profane Faith. Uh, I'll try, we'll try to link all these books up as well uh, so people can get you know into those as, as well and just where you're at. Brother Chase, you're right. We rarely, I don't even know we scratched the surface. I didn't even get to ask you about education and all that stuff, man. So definitely a part two. We was just chopping it. We was just chopping it, man. I appreciate you dropping some bars on that beat, man. And, uh, dude, that was dope as fuck, man. I I just love it. So thank you for the time and thank you for your work.
0: Appreciate you, fam. And that beat was dope first, yo. Real Recognize Real. When I heard that, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's got to be some bars. Like, we can't let this go on any longer. (laughs) This needs some bars. Yes, (laughs) yes. I
1: agree, man. I agree, man. That was, man, you believe I did that all on my iPad, man? I, I mean, I recorded wow, it through analog wow, wow, gear wow. and stuff, man, but I recorded that all on my, or arranged it all on my iPad, man. That's, yeah. Mm, yeah <laughs> that's
0: dope, fam. That's dope. That's yes. dope. That just takes it to a whole other level. That's that's dope.
1: <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, like I said, we're going to be in touch because I didn't, I I forgot about the music part. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sending you some beats, man. Shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, shoot. That's the other, yo, I meant to say that. I, so I dropped the whole album so you can find that yes. on iTunes. Yeah, if you want to throw that in the show notes too. Yep. It's called Chase the Pastor. You know what I'm saying? It's a five-song EP, so you can find that available where, where, on all streaming platforms, wherever you get music. So yeah, a lot going on, brother. Almost forgot about that.
1: Oh, please. yeah, absolutely, man. Shoot, thank you for mentioning that, man. Well, thank you, brother. Appreciate you.
0: Fam, peace, peace, beloved.